0: We are beginning a six-part series on the five solas of the Protestant Reformation. And if that doesn't mean anything to you, that's okay. You're the person I have in mind. I want to clarify what these are and in this session, why they are so crucial, why they were developed in the first place. And then in the five following sessions, we'll take... One each for each of the five solas. I'm recording this in 2017, which means I am marking the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation because most people date its beginning from October 31, 1517, when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Castle Church. So here we go. Five solas of the Protestant Reformation. What are they? Why are they important? And then one session each for each one. But let me pray because this feels very uh, beyond me. It's such a huge and important topic Father, I pray for help for myself so that I would be faithful to the Scriptures and would communicate what is really there and why these are so crucial to the Christian gospel. And I pray for those who are with me now that you would grant them to understand, to see, to appreciate, to love, to embrace these glorious things. We need your help in Jesus' name. Amen. So the word sola, sola, is Latin for alone or only, as you could guess. And the five solas of the Reformation are, these are Latin phrases, these are the English, sola gratia, grace alone, solus Christus, Christ alone, sola fide, faith alone, solideo gloria, to the glory of God alone, sola scriptura, scripture alone. Now maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves and you want to know, what do you mean by the Protestant Reformation? So here's my effort to put it in a couple of sentences. The Protestant Reformation was a movement in the 16th and 17th century, the 1500s and 1600s in Europe which tried to reform, hence, Reformation. The Roman Catholic Church which had been the dominant Christian presence for a thousand years because of perceived doctrinal and moral corruption that the Reformers believed undermined the Christian gospel. This was not marginal. The gospel, the good news that Christ came to bring was, they believed, being undermined. The upshot of their effort to reform was not reform but exclusion, excommunication the Reformers were not tolerated in the Church. Today, within Christianity, Roman Catholics and Protestants are the two largest groups among the 2.2 billion professing Christians. So you can see something massive was at stake in the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s and 1600s. Now, the question I'm posing is why are the five solas important? And it might be helpful just to start with three quotations from the internet, which get progressively serious about how important they are so that we can move to the scriptures and see why people feel this way. The five solas are Latin phrases that collectively served as a founda- as foundational principles of the Protestant Reformation. So just defining them as the essence of Protestantism. Here's another quote. The five solas are five Latin phrases or slogans that emerged during the Reformation to summarize the Reformers' theological convictions about the essentials of Christianity. So not just Protestantism, but the conviction that if these are not embraced, Christianity is not embraced. And then this one, the five solas of the Protestant Reformation are a foundational set of biblical principles held by theologians and churchmen to be central to the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of salvation as taught by Western Protestantism. So, some are willing to say, just define Protestantism, that's what these are. Others say, no, they define Christianity, which means most deeply, they define how is a person saved, which leads us then to say, salvation? (laughs) Why do you bring that up? From what? What are you talking about? Salvation. What's the problem? that make the five solas necessary. What's the problem? What's this talk about salvation? That's what we want to tackle in this session so that the rest of the five sessions can be seen to be as important as they really are. Here's what's at stake. This is what the Reformers believed you test. Now, whether this is what the Bible teaches, Paul, Romans chapter 3, verse 9. What then? Are we Jews any better off? Paul was a Jewish apostle. Not, no, not at all. For we have already charged that all, all, both Jews and Greeks, a way of summarizing the rest of the people in the Roman Empire. We're all under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. So because of our sin, none of us has a righteous standing before God. If we have to depend on our own righteousness, all of us are in big trouble with the holy God, not one. There's no human being that can stand before God as righteous. We're all under sin. For all have sinned and thus fall short of the glory of God. We have have not treasured, we have not loved, we have not esteemed, admired, praised, honored the glory of God as the supreme value of our lives, which is the very essence of sin. And therefore, none of us is right before God. Consequently, Romans 6.23, the wages of this condition is death. You take sin as your slave master or your employer. If you submit to sin, live in sin, which we all do, the wage we get is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the contrast here with eternal life shows that this death is worse than mere physical death. It is the opposite of eternal life. And what makes that so bad is this, Romans 5, 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by Christ, by him from the wrath of God. So there's the issue. This eternal death means that if we are not saved by Christ, if we are not Justified, set right, declared just before God. If something doesn't happen to change our condition, we are under the wrath of God. Here's the way Paul puts it in 1 Thessalonians 1 9 and 10. You turn to God from idols. That's what we all need to do, to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. If we don't find deliverance, this is what the Protestant Reformation was about. How can sinners find deliverance from the wrath of God? How can we escape? Here's the way uh, John put it in the Gospel uh, that he wrote in John 3, 36. Whoever believes in the Son, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, has eternal life. There's escape. There's deliverance. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. In other words, we're all under the wrath of God because we're sinners and none is righteous. And there is a way not to remain in it, but to escape from it through belief in the Son into eternal life. So there's the, the problem the Reformation was addressing from outside us. Namely, uh, guilt before God, I'm sorry, guilt before God and wrath from God. But here is the problem that makes it worse. What about the problem inside? Ephesians 2, you were dead in trespasses and sins, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature, and were by nature, children of wrath. We were by nature, people who deserve wrath. It was in our nature, like the rest of mankind. So he's not talking about one group here. This is everybody all over the world. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So here's our true condition. We are by nature so rebellious and contrary to God that we live in a natural state of deserving wrath and are spiritually unable to solve our own problem because we are dead. Here's the way Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural person who by nature are children of wrath, the natural person does not, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able. So it's not only that we don't accept them, we're not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned, and we are spiritually dead. And we're spiritually dead as guilty sinners. We are rebellious. We love our sin more than we love the glory of God. Therefore, this deadness, this inability, is a guilty inability. Here's the way he puts it in Romans 8, 7, and 8. For the mind of the flesh, that's us by nature. That's the way Paul talks about a person who doesn't have the saving influence of the Holy Spirit. The mind of the flesh is hostile to God. You may not feel hostile. You may be saying, I'm not hostile. I don't even pay attention to God. There is a root of hostility for why you don't pay attention because you don't want none of us wants to submit to God and have an absolute sovereign God ruling over us. We are rebellious and selfish people. We are hostile to God. For this mind of the flesh does not submit, does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So there it is again. You move from does not to not able cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So this is, this is our great problem from inside. So from outside we have wrath and inside we have deadness. That's what the Protestant Reformation knew. We have to find a way out. What does the Bible say is the way out? Is there hope? that we could live and not die eternally, that we could have eternal life? Is there hope that God could be 100% for us and not uh, wrathful, not against us? And the answer is yes, yes. (laughs) Praise God, yes. This is the good news of Christianity, and the answer that the Protestant Reformation found in the Bible—and that's what I'm going to try to show in the next five sessions—the answer that they found in the Bible for how it is that we can live and God can be 100% for us and not against us is this. Our being made alive in Christ— And God's being 100% for us, the solution to those two problems of death and wrath is this, by God's grace alone, this being made alive, this being 100% for us is by grace alone, on the basis of Christ alone, received through faith alone, so that All things lead ultimately to the glory of God alone, with Scripture alone as the only final decisive authority for discerning, teaching, and defending these truths. The five solas of the Reformation are important because they are the only path out of death into life and out of wrath into God being 100% for us forever.